in case you're wondering, you have youth, they don't just party all day on Sundays. We do teach them things. They do learn stuff, usually. No, I'm kidding. No, we have a great youth and children's ministry. Um, hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, for those of you just visiting, uh, I'm Jeremy Pleasant. I'm the senior pastor here. I want to welcome you. I'm glad you are here with us. Got a lot of fun and exciting things today. It's always fun to start a new series and to announce all these things the day before or the weekend before Mardi Gras because you know that like half the people you know are at Disney right now. And it's just like, I don't, I don't I, that is where everyone is. It's just like, unless you got sick and then, <laughs> then unfortunately you got to stay home. But uh, I, I know a lot of folks at Disney right now. Um, so, a couple things that are happening, and we'll talk about this next week as well. But in addition to our, new, uh, our, our next series starting today, um, we're also starting this week are going to have this thing we, we've done before. We've done it a couple years ago, um, a, a few times. Um, these devotionals for the Lenten season for our entire family. And so, and our entire community. We're going to uh, have these devotionals that are going to be occurring. You're going to be able to have like handouts and pamphlets but it's also going to be digital and be online, so you can sign up for it via text or email and kind of get reminders. And it's basically going to be um, these different ways of interacting with God uh, every week. Uh, and we're all doing the same devotional together. Our family pastor, Nikki, uh, designed this for our community, uh, pulling from a few different resources. And it's, uh, it's an exciting opportunity. Uh, the last time we did it, people just, that I talked to just found so much joy and, and depth and and. and engaging with God in different ways of praying and different ways of seeking the Lord. And so if that's something you're interested in, you can, if you sign up just for our newsletter or you sign up for our, our text um, alerts, uh, you'll be um, alerted to it. You can also just go to our website uh, and uh, that information will be there uh, later today and it'll be easy enough to check out and sign up. And so we're going to be uh, exploring some uh, different ways of prayer, some, some different ways of engaging with God, some worship, music. It's going to be a, a cool little thing that's been worked on for a while, so I'm excited about it. Um, and then this is also one of those opportunities where if you like, if you know someone who's not in church right now, but maybe someone who has been in church or someone who's been exploring faith but not really ready for the whole church thing, uh, this is a great way to actually engage with them, to, uh, to say, hey, let's do this together and uh, and, and it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a great way to have an easy onboard, an easy on-ramp onto the, uh, yeah, onto exploring faith with God. So um, if you sign up for our email and text, you'll get a notification on Tuesday um, with this, and like basically every, I'm sorry, on Wednesday, on Ash Wednesday, you'll get a notification or Tuesday night. And then once a week, you'll get a notification to, uh, as far as the devotional for that week. And so, like I said, the information isn't on the website yet. It'll be there uh, by tonight or by tomorrow. But it's going to be a really cool way to, uh, to get engaged and to invite others into that. All right? Okay. So, today... Oh, there's more. I forgot one thing. There's more. So, uh, for those of you who this is your, either your first time with us or you haven't been with us, for, if you've been with us for less than a year, every Lent we do uh, this thing on Good Friday... Um, called uh, Interactive Reflections of the Cross. It's kind of like the vineyard version of Stations of the Cross, if you come from kind of Roman Catholic background. And it's this really, really powerful um, 
interactive journey with Jesus. And so um, there's going to be more information coming about that. But this whole season, like the staff, the staff we met last week and we're like, hey, we're just, we really want our community to get fully engaged this season. So we're going to provide multiple ways for us to engage, to prepare our minds and our hearts for upcoming Easter. And so just want to provide all the opportunities for you all and just know that we, we look to do this together uh, with you. Okay, that's it, I promise. We're, we're going to start now. We're going we're gonna to start. All right, so this series for Lent is called The Lord's Prayer, and so we're going to be unpacking the Lord's Prayer. And today I want to kind of give an overview of the series and kind of begin to experience the why, the challenge, and the hope of prayer and, and how the Lord's Prayer brings us to new depths in Christ. And today specifically, we're going to be, so we're going to be breaking down this prayer piece by piece. And today we're going to be looking at the power of praying our Father, to grasp the depth, to be inspired, to hope, to pray with intention, but to also not dismiss the tension in this prayer. There's like a lot of tension in, in, in everything Jesus does. Like he did, there were so many paradoxes in everything he said and everything he did. And so often, because it's easier for us, we want to just kind of dismiss the things that create tension. We want to dismiss the paradoxes and just say, no, this this is just what it is. And this is what I'm going to stay in. I like my little box. This box is comfortable, right? We like our comfortable boxes. But so did the disciples, and so did the Pharisees, and so did the Sadducees. And you know what Jesus did every time? He exploded our bo- their boxes, and he explodes our boxes if we're willing to engage with the things that we think we know and we think we understand and say, Lord, help us reform and transform our minds and transform our understanding. Because in that, we get to leave, live with freedom and press forward with eager anticipation to what he has for us in the future. And so let's look at Matthew 6, 9 through 13. I'm going to do my best to not fall in the stage today. So we're going to move over here a little bit like I did last week. Yoni is laughing because he's the only one that saw it last week. (laughs) This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, if you have not been in church, if you are not a Christian and you're here with us today, you have still probably heard this prayer. Like, it is one of the most famous prayers through millennia, right? It is often, the, it's a prayer that we recite, it's a prayer that we, we know it's a prayer that has just rang true for many who have come to faith. And so Jesus teaches this prayer in the middle of his famous Sermon on the Mount. It's become the cornerstone of doing church for many. In some type of churches, this is how they start church, or this is how they end church. For many of others, this is their foundation of their, 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 their practice of church. And so as Jesus is teaching this prayer... And as we look at the way the church has used the prayer, we want to, we want to take all of it, right? We want, to, we want to understand the different ways that this prayer has been uh, taught and understood. And I think one thing that's really important to understand, as, as Jesus was teaching this prayer, it wasn't like, hey, 
Um, recite these words all the time, and this is the only way you pray. <laughs> like, no, that's, that's not what, what was happening, right? I think, I think we understand that. Like, no, Jesus was giving us a framework. He was giving us a, a, a guide. He was giving us a blueprint of how to pray and the, and the impact of this prayer. And over the centuries, the, the, the church and, and, and as people have used this prayer in many ways, it's, it's been a framework for regular daily praying. Um, people would just say this prayer every day and, and let the words encircle around them as they think about who, who they're praying for. In the Orthodox tradition, it, it's kind of the Orthodox version of the Jesus prayer. They repeat it slowly, again and again, in the rhythm of breathing, letting it become second nature. And for others, They'll take each clause of the prayer and pray each clause one by one each day. And so there's, there's been many ways we, we, we use this prayer. And so as we go through this series, um, we're going to be pulling from a lot of resources, uh, including Scripture, of course, is our main resource. We're going to be pulling from, uh, N.T. Wright wrote a great uh, commentary on this called The Lord and His Prayer as well as some uh, looking at tr- some, some old church tradition um, and, and looking at some of that impact for today. And so a couple months ago, time is a little hazy right now with a three-week-old. I don't know what day it is anymore. I'm like, oh, it's Sunday? I need to go to work. Um, so it was a couple months ago. We had a prayer interest meeting. And in this meeting, we're talking, and I asked the question like, hey, so how do we pray? What does it mean to pray? And every single person in, in there had a different answer. Why is that? Because we all come to prayer differently. We all have different experiences. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different ex- um, relationships with God and prayer. I come from, from a tradition of uh, a lot of confessional prayer, where we, we, we pray confessions and we pray in faith and we pray um, and, and the words we pray and, and, and the power of those words are really important. And then um, I've recently been exploring uh, a different type of prayer uh, from, from, from different traditions and, and, and seeing that the, the impact of all of that in my life and trying to pull it all together. You know, the, the, there's, a, there's a certain mystery in prayer like, it would be comfortable and be nice to say, no, this is what prayer is, this is what it means, and that's it, right? Like, that would be nice. A nice little bowl to, like, tie it all on. But, but if, if we're honest, we can, we can, we can admit there's, there's mystery in prayer. There are things that we don't understand. There are things that we do understand. And there are things that we're like, um, what? <laughs> you know, we, we have seen many of us, or at least heard about miraculous things, right? I have seen miraculous things in my life, and maybe you haven't, but I'm guessing you've heard about them. You've heard about miraculous things that have happened around you or or throughout history. I mean, if if we're willing to admit that and not close our ears to that, we, we, we have seen or heard God come down to earth and just supernaturally change something. And yet, we hold that with attention of there's still so much suffering in the world. So how is it a prayer for healing is answered, but a prayer for healing 
is unanswered? Do we wrestle with the tension of the sovereignty of God? Like that word sovereign is a, is a, is a big word, right? Like the sovereignty of God with the tension of a kingdom that hasn't yet come in full. The tension of, of God who can do everything and yet we still have suffering. So there's mystery in prayer. There's, there's a challenge as we come to find our own relationship with prayer. And often when we start out as Christians, if, if, if you come to faith and you're a Christian, you know, often our prayer resolves around our needs, right? Which is like a natural thing to do. I need this. I'm struggling here. I need that. And God responds to those needs. He hears those needs. He cares about those needs. And then as we grow and mature more, our prayer begins to mature. And we start praying about our own spiritual maturity. We start praying about how we get closer to God. We start praying about our emotional health and how we uh, become transformed in our souls. As we mature, we start seeing outside of ourselves and we start looking at the world and praying for things that are going on in the world. And so as we look at our relationship and experience with prayer, I would invite all of us to take that experience and, and confront it with this Jesus prayer, with, with the way that Jesus taught us to pray and see where our prayer aligns with that and see where he might be inviting us into something new or something different. Y'all with me so far? Okay. So let's take the first part of this prayer. Our Father. And you're like, Jeremy, how are you going to do a whole sermon on Our Father? That's two words. Watch. I'm kidding. Um, so there's a lot captured in this, these simple two words, Our Father. There's intimacy captured in this. Jesus called God Abba, which is the Hebrew, the Aramaic, sorry, the Aramaic translation of dad, daddy. It's a deeply intimate phrase. Contained within this phrase is a knowing of God and a desire to, to, to know more. So Jesus calls God, Abba, Dad. Like that, that very clear and intentional name was one of the things that caused people in his day to want to kill him. <laughs> when, he referred to G, when he referred to God in like this normal, intimate language, like, no, you, you can't do that. You're not supposed to do that. And yet Jesus did. And 
And so part of our prayer journey, part of our prayer experience is, can we actually come to God and see him more than what we see him now and see him as an intimate father? Now, this is going to be a challenge for some of us who maybe don't have the best representation of fatherhood in our lives, right? That idea might be struggling, but that also, if, if, if that even is a struggle, if that triggers something in you, if that, if that tingles something in you, that's even a starting point for you in this next season. It's like, I, don't, I, I want to keep God out of distance. I don't want that intimacy because the intimacy I have known has not been good. Maybe God wants to redeem that. Maybe he wants to transform that. Maybe he wants to say, hey, come closer to me and I will show you true fatherhood and I will transform your understanding of what it means to have an intimate, loving father. And my guess is even if if we had the best father in the world, the best mother in the world, we could still use a transforming, redemptive experience of the God of the universe that we would also call Abba. So, we're going to hold things in tension, right? All right, so we have Abba, we have this intimate relationship, we have this intimacy that we need to push into, but also contained within our Father is revolution. Also contained within this phrase is not just an intimacy, but God, King, God, Father, King, Commander, the one who freed Israel out of the exodus, the one who takes down empires. This is our father. When when God sent Moses to free Israel from the Egyptian rule, you know what he called Israel? My firstborn son. And so while some people were really angry about Jesus using this intimate phrase with God, it's how God used his relationship with Israel. It's how he referred to them. They are my son. These are my children. And so within this word, our father, within this phrase is is intimacy, but is also revolution. Within this phrase is the hope of liberty. Liberty is contained with our father. Our father says, God, our father, free us. Our father, Yahweh. Come change things. You see, everything that Jesus did and he refers to goes back to what we see in Exodus, the Exodus event, the freedom that God brought Israel, that Israel continues to look back to, that the celebrations and the festivals and all these things refer back to, that Jesus referred back to was because that was the moment that God displayed his ultimate love, but also his ultimate power to break us free from oppression, to give us the freedom that we need from everything that binds us. And so within, contained within our Father is hope. The hope that because we have been freed before, 
that we will be freed once again. And that when we get free once again, this time is going to be forever. And so it says, Our Father, hallowed be your name. Another way of saying that, Our Father, let the whole world worship you. Let your name be honored. Meaning, because when your name is honored, when the whole world worships you, that means you have transformed the whole world. That means you have come down and you have made things right. And so contained within our Father is an intimate relationship. Contained within our Father is a revolution. And contained within our Father is hope. And y'all, just in the last few days, as I look out upon the world, I need hope. As I think about my son growing up in this world, I need hope. Let the whole world worship you. Let your name be honored. You see, our Father forces us to contend with the reality of what's going on and not just ignore it. I mean, it's the word that Troy had this morning hit spot on. He didn't know what I was talking about today. But it's like, it's really easy. I know for me, let me, let me just shut it off, right? I don't want to see all the things that are happening. It's too much. It's too overwhelming. But if I'm willing to see, if I'm willing to open my eyes, if I'm willing to look at the pain and the hurt, willing to look at the uncertainty, willing to to, to, to live in it, then I get to say, our Father, our Father, Abba, look at the things around me. I need you to do something. So, I have a, uh, I grew up I kind of say like my immediate siblings is ones I grew up with. I have two older brothers, an older sister, and a younger brother. One of my brothers, Joe, I've always admired his like his deep sense of identity and like knowing who he is as a person. Like it's always been something I've wanted to hold on to. He has a uh, kind of a penchant for just like holiness and righteousness. Like he just wants to do the right thing. And I've always been inspired by that. My other brother, Trey, he's a, he's a scientist. And he just challenges what is expected to be true and real. And he says, well, like, is it? Let's actually explore this. Let's get down to the heart of the matter. Like, I love his scientific mind. He's also a very courageous person. He has literally laid down his life and risked his life for others because that's kind of the person he is. Think about my sister, Keisha. She's like, she's so caring. She's a therapist, and she just cares so deeply for others and just can't let go of wanting to help people. 
I think about my little brother, Jaffe, who, who uh, everyone like has their idea of who he should be. And he's like, actually, I'm going to figure out who I am with God and walk that path. That's been an inspiration to me. My siblings are an inspiration to me in a lot of ways. It's interesting because we often see Jesus as son of God, right? You ever think of Jesus as brother of James? Like, it says when James is like, he's like James, brother of Jesus. Like, do we ever see like Jesus as brother of James? Can we see Jesus as our brother? What would it be like to imitate our older brother, Jesus? As he teaches us this prayer, what, is it, what do we think about when we think about our brother Jesus? You see, because if, if we're going to like do this whole Christian thing, we believe in the deity of Jesus, right? Like son of God, he is God, but he's also what? Son of man. He's also human. 100% God, 100% human. And so... We are not just enamored and inspired by his wisdom and his teachings as son of God, but we also should be inspired and enamored and encouraged by his humanity. Because in us exists both the image of God and our own humanity, right? And so if both these things are true, then as we seek to imitate Jesus, we have to learn both from his deity and his humanity. We have to learn both from his glory and from his suffering. It says in Hebrews that Jesus learned obedience. That's a weird phrase. But he's God. How did he learn obedience? What did Jesus have to learn? And yet, what we see in Scripture is Jesus being formed even as a human, right? Jesus going his own journey as a human, as God, but also as a human, going on his own journey, becoming who he was, becoming who God called him to be. And so if we learn from Jesus... If we imitate Jesus, there's a certain risk in praying our Father, that if we're going to pray our Father in the way that Jesus prayed our Father, there's a certain risk. We're saying, I want to do what Jesus did, and what Jesus did was amazing, glory-filled things, and there was also suffering. There was also pain. There was also abandonment. But the glory was so much more. The suffering could not compare to the glory. You see, but as we imitate Jesus, as we say our Father, as we learn obedience, it's, it's more than just saying, it's more than just saying yes. As we learn obedience, as we learn to be like Jesus, that means sometimes we're in the garden of Gethsemane saying, God, is this, is this the cup? Is this what you really want me to do? Are you sure about this? As we pray our Father and we take those risks and we say, yes, God, I want what you have for me. Because just like Jesus changed the whole world, I want to be a part of your plan which changes the world. I also know that comes at a cost. 
And so we say, yes, our Father. But my invitation is that if we're going to pray that, like, let's pray it. Let's mean it. And everything contained within it. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed with us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly while we wait for your adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what is seen. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is in the mind of the spirit, because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Here, Paul captures all that we've been saying. Because it's not just us, it's not just our community, it's not just our family, it's not just our city, it's not just our country, it's the whole world. The whole world waits. But no, but not just the whole world, the whole cosmos, the whole universe waits for the glory of the coming of God. And, and, and what it says is that we, are the, we have experienced the first fruits. It says that, hey, we got a brief glimpse into it, that when Jesus came and when Jesus died, we get to experience the first little bit of that glory that propels us into the mission that God has for each and every one of us. And in that mission, we still wait with eager expectation. We wait like one waits for the child to be born. We wait for the full kingdom to come and to make everything right. And so the challenge with prayer is that we can pray, we can say the right words, we can recite the right things, but sometimes we just don't know how to pray and we don't know how to pray, our spirit intercedes for us. And our, our soul just groans, just makes sounds. Our soul turns within us, praying on our behalf. Sometimes you pray in silence and that silence is all that we need. When we don't know what to pray at all, we know that prayer is happening. This is the mystery and challenge of prayer. But if we're willing to walk in that mystery, if we're willing to walk in that challenge, our Father has something for us. I also got a couple practical tips. <coughs> Excuse me. Reflect on the Our Father part of this prayer each day this week. 
Pray it slowly. Pray it with an open mind and an open heart. Pray it seeking intimacy, revolution, and hope. And then I just want to extend the invitation again to find a rhythm for our community-wide Lent devotionals this week. To say, hey, okay, like, if you want to, like, hey, we're going to do this. So, like, let's come up with a plan. And, and, a, and a plan that will allow you and your family, whoever that family may be, could be blood or not, to engage intentionally with the expectation that Jesus will meet you wherever you are. And so as we do this, and as we set aside this season and this time, as we pray our Father, I believe that he's going to respond.